This episode of the podcast is made possible by the patrons of RHAP who keep me serving up podcasts like Millennial Mom Serve Grape Juice, allegedly. To find out more about the benefits of becoming a patron, visit robhasawebsite.com slash patron or click on one of the banners on robhasawebsite.com. Sesternino. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to week two of Celebrity Apprentice 2017. And we are very excited to get into the next two people who were terminated in the boardroom tonight. Eric Dickerson and Nicole Snooky Palazzi. Uh, they are gone, but here with us to talk about it. My eyes and ears. Please welcome back first a man who is uh, always celebrating uh, Grape Day. Extra polyphenol for Mr. Mike Bloom. Good morning, afternoon, Rob. I've had plenty of my uh, phenobarbasols, so I'm ready to go. <laughs> yes, okay, you're ready to go. And also joining us back again, our newcomer to the Celebrity Apprentice podcast. Uh, she is not a millennial mom. Please welcome Megan Z. Megan, how are you? I'm good. And guys, look under your chairs. I put some grapefruit juice there. <laughs> Maybe you are. A, you, you, you must be a mom then because you're leaving juice around for us. <laughs> yes. Nope. <laughs> I was hoping you would have a Ricky Williams uh, friendly snack for me. <laughs> no, not today. Luck. Not today. Well, I mean, a Ricky, a Ricky Williams friendly snack <laughs> might be illegal in some states. He says he's always looking to make creative snacks with his kids. Yeah, well, they were in California for a reason with those snacks, Rob. All right. So here we are to talk about a, a tough night, I thought, on The Celebrity Apprentice. Uh, two people that didn't want to be there, and I say goodbye to bad rubbish. You don't want to be here? Get out of my boardroom. Yeah, a lot of self-termination this episode, which I'd say overall, uh, we're starting to really get back into the spirit of Celebrity Apprentice, uh, talking about the train wreck aspects of it all. I feel like we saw a lot of drama come from both teams which you don't always see, so that's going to be very exciting for weeks to come. But yeah, the outcomes of both of these boardrooms were a little bit of a letdown, and I'm sure we'll talk about the legacy of Snooki later. I'm just so surprised at how defanged and afraid she was the entire time. But if she was going to act this way for the rest of the season, I agree with you. As much as I love her as a, a general reality TV character, I'm fine to have her leave at this point if she's going to be timid throughout the rest of the season. Yes, so we'll get into all of that from another two-hour week of The Celebrity Apprentice. I guess uh, let's just uh, touch through our top stories at this hour. Megan, did you feel like that the Snooki we all knew and loved from the Jersey Shore ever showed up on The Celebrity Apprentice? You know, I, I didn't really see her. We saw her a little bit uh, last week in the second episode. But overall, she kind of folded in and, you know, she wasn't able to step up and ever point out anybody who did anything wrong. And she just kind of collapsed within herself. She just folded in. Yeah, she was uh, seemingly like very down on herself and felt like that she couldn't compete with the women that were there. She kept saying, you know, I'm not used to being around these strong women with big personalities. And I'm like, what the hell was the Jersey Shore? <laughs> yeah. Well, who's Wow to you now, Snooky? Does Wow not compare yeah, to I'm Lisa Leslie? I'm not used Leslie? to these strong, opinionated women. What about Sammy Sweetheart, Snooky? Who was the other meatball? What was her name? Dina? Deanna? <laughs> yeah, what about Dina Nicole? 
There you Snooki's go. Pro- Snooki's probably the uh, Angelina in this scenario in that she was ready to quit at a moment's notice. Yeah, so that's what it was. Yes, like from the first Jersey Shore. It's a good deep pull, Mike. Yeah, so her and Eric Dickerson, they're both like, eh, you know, I thought maybe, were they more excited? Did they think that they were going to be on the Trump version of The Apprentice and they were not impressed with Arnold Schwarzenegger, much like the president-elect, Megan? I mean, I don't think so. Snooki was raving about him, and uh, I believe the line was, uh, your Terminatorness was pulled out. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, your Terminatorness. <laughs> That's what she said to him. We got one good soundbite of her out of her on her way out before she hopped into the chopper. So I wish we could have seen, even in just that those two seconds you just played, I feel like that's the Snooki we all wanted to see. And you have to assume she was also kind of cast to bring the drama aspect of it, sort of like why they keep bringing in these real housewives. But surprisingly enough, I think we're looking towards the athletes for the drama this season instead. Now, I don't understand the new Snooki where Snooki is like, hey, I'm not here to be the Jersey Shore Snooki. I'm here to be Nicole and I'm the mom and the businesswoman. And I mean, that seems like the most boring version of Snooki that we could come up with. She also is the youngest person by like 10 years, I think, on the show. <laughs> yeah. So you'd even think that, you know, maybe they also cast her because we got to have somebody young on the show. We got to have somebody in their 20s just to maybe get some diversity in there. But um, she's a millennial mom. <laughs> she is. But, but let's remember how much that worked out for like Sean Johnson last year as well. <laughs> Moon cycle stuff aside, she didn't really play on the camera. So maybe it's maybe it's a matter of age. You know, unlike Big Brother, where the young really thrive. Now we're on a show where really it's the, the Gen Xers and baby boomers that are really dictating all the drama going on. Yeah. At least at least we had Arnold call her Snooky once, which was fantastic because he called her Snooky. Yeah. The other person that went home was Eric Dickerson. And again, Megan, to use the classic uh, Slowly Apprentice term, uh, another glacier. Boy, bye. I mean, uh, (laughs) he he didn't want to quit, but he did want to quit. But he did not want to quit, guys. Never forget, he did not want to quit, but he wanted to quit, guys. He was all gone. No way. He didn't want to be there. Yeah. I don't know if there's just some appearance fee that you get for showing up on the Slowly Apprentice. I don't know if we ever crack this over all the years. But there's definitely in the first couple of weeks of the show, there's a little bit of weeding out the people that are like, yeah. Uh, I'm just here for the paycheck. You could fire me if you want to. And uh, that usually, anytime you even give a hint that you're ready to go home, you know, they never keep you there against your will. And Eric Dickerson is the casualty of that from the first hour. And I think it was pretty obvious. I think at the point where he put grape juice under the chair and was like, (laughs) I did my job. (laughs) I'm done. Oh, well, you have to wonder as well. Let's remember Eric was gone from the second task the previous week. Do you think this could be a case where like he went and did whatever it was? I don't know, like visit his grandkids or something. And then he comes back and he's like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. And he just sort of gave up there. It could have been a, a mentality of like once you leave the game, mentally speaking, you're sort of checked out from there on out. It's possible. I mean, I think that we've seen it both ways. I think that sometimes you miss a week and then you come back and then, you know, that you tend to get fired. I feel like that uh, Khloe Kardashian was fired uh, like right after her being away for a week. But then there's other times where you go away and if you were good TV in the first place that you don't miss a beat coming back. So I think that it's not necessarily indicative that you get fired right after going away. But that was the case for Eric. So let's get into these uh, two tasks from tonight. 
And why don't we start with the Welch's grape juice test? Megan, uh, Welch's grape juice was all over this episode, not just on the show, but then go to commercial and every single break, I think we saw Welch's grape juice commercials. It was everywhere. Um, Lots of, uh, what is it? Uh, Polyphenol all over the place. Yes. Yes. We were uh, making America grape again. (laughs) Right. Well, yep. maybe if they maybe if they lose that. use that slogan that the former host of the Celebrity Apprentice will now give it rave reviews after his rather <laughs> scathing remarks last week. No, what was the official tagline that they had uh, plastered all over the place? It was "Achieve Grapeness" was what they were kept saying. And I don't exactly know what that means. <laughs> Does it mean you're trying to achieve the quality of being a grape? Uh, because there are several different, you know, uh, conduits to that, whether you're meaning a white grape or a purple grape. There are plenty of grapes to be had. I'm sure Vince Neil was ecstatic at the idea of talking about grapes after all the wine he chugged down last time. Uh, but I always love these tasks, too, because it's weird we haven't seen a fundraising task yet. But both these t- tasks allow people to be creative and interact with audiences and make videos. So it was definitely a little more exciting, I feel like, than the previous episode when both these teams have to make an eight to 10 minute talk show about Welch's grape juice. (laughs) Yeah. Both teams sort of landed on the same idea of creating a talk show, which was more like an infomercial. Uh, This task, uh, we had Rocco Despirito. Mike, did you watch the Mark Burnett reality series, The Restaurant? It was time I wish I'd gotten (laughs) back in my life, but I did back in the day. I actually believe the the series premiered a week after the original Apprentice season one finished uh so they were trying to really ride that mark burnett on nbc wave and that wave quickly came crashing down uh for those of you that don't know so rocco despirito is a chef uh, he was on a show as rob mentioned called the restaurant which sort of it was like a bravo like docu-series kind of covering his exploits and his journey to get to bring up a restaurant in new york city it lasted two seasons and it ended with a lawsuit and restraining order that rocco despirito was not supposed to come inside the eponymous restaurant so mike uh just to uh, add a little bit to the rocco despirito uh restaurant because i do remember its launch uh somewhat well because that was right it was the summer that i was coming off of survivor the amazon and there was a lot of talk about mark burnett's new show show and so it was an nbc series that was there and i don't really know what the show was it like it wasn't a game it was just like they had a restaurant that was like a storefront that they set up and then people would come in and it was just basically like following like what was going on in the kitchen but if like you were like a person with notoriety like you could just show up like they just filmed at this place for a couple of weeks and you could just show up and just like be there and be in the show And it was really sort of like trumpeted as, oh, the new Mark Burnett thing that's coming up. And it was just a bust and nobody cared about it. Yeah, uh, I guess if we're going back to uh, Chael's baseball comparison, it was neither a home run nor a grand slam. It promptly grounded out to first. It was a really weird concept because you brought you had this like revolving cast of characters of people who were in the restaurant it was almost like a weird version of the office Mm -hmm. in that they were also kind of like narrating their exploits as well with Rocco Despirito being a culinary version of Michael Scott also I will add that the restaurant predates the apprentice uh, which came on in 2004 so it was a few months before uh, the apprentice uh, came on Megan did you watch the restaurant 
I did not. But is that when Rocco decided to quit cooking with butter after that? I guess after so. all the bad he was like, I got to rethink this whole thing. I <laughs> or maybe it was after the Paula Dean controversy. Decided to sort of separate himself from that image. <laughs> perhaps. Perhaps. So everybody's getting off of that. So Layla became the project manager and Chael became the other project manager here for the men. And that this was like a, a feisty heavyweight battle because uh, both of them are professional fighters. And Chael, I thought Megan was bringing a lot of smack talk this round. Does anyone else think Chael sounds like Adam Carolla? Hmm. Uh, I'd have to listen to them uh, side by side. I don't have any Chael clips. Um, Every t- but I guess in terms of like, maybe vocally speaking, but in terms of boardroom candor, it's the complete opposite, right? Because let's remember Adam Carolla is yet another example of these snooky types when he went into the boardroom of like, yeah, I don't think anyone else should go home, so you can just fire me. Yeah, where Chael was there to play the game. I think he was there to uh, give a show to Arnold. Yeah, he's sort of like the, I guess he, is he sort of like the Russell Hance of the, uh, of the Apprentice at this point, in that he's like, I wouldn't say he's trying to sabotage people, but he's definitely playing the mind games aspect of it, and poor Ricky Williams is going to try to be his first victim here tonight. I'm not sure that Russell Hance is the right example, uh, but there, he definitely is playing hard, but I think that he's doing so in a way where Ricky Williams doesn't actually hate his guts, and that's not the Russell Hance M.O. But Chael did try to pick his victim in the first like two seconds. He's like, Ricky, you're going to be my number two. And you're also going to be the first person I throw under the bus. Yeah. Like that's what he should have just said right in the in the first room. Yes. You're my number two. And I'm going to treat you like number two once we lose this task. <laughs> but he did a good job where, you know, we said you have to always have a scapegoat. But he was flexible enough that he shifted the scapegoat. Once he saw that Ricky Williams wasn't going to get fired, that the case he was making wasn't going to work, he was able to switch and go with Eric Dickerson as the scapegoat. No, it's it's interesting. And, I, you know, when we get to the top of the second hour and they have this, I don't know, did you guys think the argument between Chael and Ricky, which we sort of hear from the other contestants' perspective, was real at first, considering how the Eric boardroom had ended? I thought perhaps uh, but then the longer it went on the more i thought it was going to be bazinga you got got i thought maybe it was the start of another challenge like they were gonna go downstairs and find like other people yelling what is this who done it (laughs) (laughs) and it was just gonna Ricky yeah, Chell was going to be murdered and uh, that was where it was going to go from there yes, Eric Dickerson was found dead <laughs> very sadly grape juice overdose your next task you must figure out who murdered Eric Dickerson pick your private eyes <laughs> <laughs> you are what, what, what was it yes, Snooki you are scared yes so the both groups had to come up with their idea for the uh, talk show. It seemed like that the men were going for some version of like a late night talk show, whereas the women were going for more of the daytime talk show that Mike, they were potentially going to be discussing a subplot about a guest called Miss Grape who was coming to the show and Miss Grape was going to talk about some of the things that were going on in her personal life. Were we robbed of getting to see Miss Grape as a guest on the show? Yeah, I wanted to see Grape Slut personally. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess, you know, the, the big conundrum for the woman is going to be like, well, we're providing um, a lot of brand in- information, but are we really making it entertaining? And we'll talk about the presentation. I thought they made it entertaining 
enough. But it was clear. I think we were talking last week about like Portia being a little wishy washy. But I feel like this episode, the true entertainer in her is going to come out. And we're going to see that Portia just likes to keep it fun and light. Yes, I guess so. Megan, did you want to get to see the scandal going on in the fruit world with Miss Grape and Mr. Banana? I did. I heard that uh, she didn't want to be with Mr. Banana. He wasn't good for her heart. (laughs) Yeah. I just would have loved to have seen Kyle in the grape costume. That's really what I feel like we were robbed of. And then Lisa Leslie would be a giant banana to come out and be like a Jerry Springer-esque brawl between the two. And one of them's going to end up getting bruised. Yes. Well, bruised fruit is always a problem. So uh, we ended up with uh, then the men coming up with this idea for the late night talk show. And the real bugaboo was that they were going to make a song and Ricky Williams thought it was a bad idea to do the song. Megan, are you finding Ricky Williams to be a stick in the mud at all? He is a little bit. I think it was last week where when they said, like, Ricky, you're going to have to put makeup on some people. He was like, ma, I don't want to. Rah. And uh, I think he needs to lighten up a little bit. Maybe, uh, you know, he needs to spend some time with Portia. Yeah, maybe if there was something, Mike, that Ricky Williams could do to sort of lift his spirits just a little bit. He's, he's so sullen. Oh, I can find 420 things that he could probably do to lift his spirits at this time. <laughs> we also found out that the women are thought to be by Chael and maybe some of the other men, certainly Boy George, uh, you would think, as being winos, as we saw Brooke, uh, the housewives, and Snooky were all way into the wine, even though Lisa and Layla did not partake. Uh, Megan, do you think that the women are drinking too much? I think it's ridiculous. The women got these giant goblets of wine. Last week, Vince had a paper cup full of like three droplets of wine, and we were dragging him everywhere for being an alcoholic on the show. But this week, everybody can drink giant goblets, and it's A-OK, fun by all. Yeah, I can't wait for Boy George to get switched over to the women's team, and he just stages an intervention in the middle of a task. <laughs> Could go the other way if Vince Neal gets transferred over to the women's team. where oh, they- then It's just going to get sloshed 24-7. <laughs> get really sloppy like we've never had like an all drunk team on celebrity apprentice that might be exactly what we've needed all these years <laughs> mid-season ratings bump yeah megan that the women were talking about potentially adding wine a segment on wine to the welch's grape juice infomercial that one of them claimed it was on the welch's website I tried to do some research into this i didn't find anything about wine on the welch's grape juice website did you find a smoothie made with spinach in Welch's grapefruit? <laughs> Not yet. Because that also seemed a little questionable when I saw it in the blender. Yeah, no, but they loved it. They loved the executives all love that. But Mike, do you feel like that the millennial mom's drinking, is that a, uh, a staple? Is that a, like a trademark of the millennial mom's? Yeah, I guess as someone as someone that's part of the millennials, I don't necessarily want to be put into this box. Uh, go figure, me being a millennial, me saying that of being put into a box of being an alcoholic. But I suppose that's what the cool thing for moms to do is. I don't know. Can we think of any like millennial moms and or dads that could do a presentation for Welch's? The only millennial parent that I can think of off the top of my head is Brandon Hans. Yeah. And I don't know what would happen. Unfortunately, I think the wine is what leads to there being a lot of millennial moms and dads. I think that that's part of the problem. Maybe that's why it's on their website. It's just a big cross over the uh, over the wine to say like, hey, if you drink this wine, you're going to have to buy a lot more Welch's grape juice in your future. Yeah. Should the Celebrity Apprentice be like The Bachelor and have their own wine? Oh, I didn't even know there was Bachelor wine. 
Oh, of course there is. Yeah, what is it called? I don't know. There's there's like one that's like final rose. They have a whole set of them. Yeah. Like this one could be like you're terminated, you know. Yeah, maybe. Are there any good grape puns you can make with any of the catchphrases? <laughs> Merlot Terminator. Merlot Terminator. That's pretty good. Uh, we got to see both of the shows. First was uh, the women's show, uh, which they said it was a national grape day. Mike, is that an actual holiday? I'm assuming so. There's a national everything day at this point. So I, I would want to fact check it. But for all I know, it it's probably happened. <laughs> now, Megan, did you feel like it was going off the rails as uh, Portia was conducting her interview? Well, as she said, the devil is busy today on the women's team. Uh, it just seemed like she was a little chatty. They were in a confined time of 10 minutes, so it's probably not her strongest suit. She's used to kind of working on the housewife show where I'm sure she gets more long form type interviews <laughs> and she's not used to having to talk for only a minute and a half and they'll cut her off. Yeah, they just let that run and then uh, see what they come up with on that show. Again, it was Lisa who was uh, the bit of uh, resistance in both of these tasks. She used hashtag keep it moving during the show to shut down Portia and make it seem like that that was what really did in the relationship between Lisa and Portia. Yeah, I, I like the groundwork we're laying here for a, a couple big feuds down the road. Oh, yeah. I think that when we look at in the second boardroom of the possibilities of what could be to come, I think firing Snooki is the only thing that would potentially leave us with good television down the road. Which, again, in what day and age we live in that we say getting rid of a star from the Jersey Shore would lead to better television across the board. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure something else will come up. I hope so. I hope so. But then out came Layla Ali with her blender. And boy, uh, I have to feel like uh, the winter edit is starting to look pretty strong on Layla Ali, Megan. She looks strong. I don't know. I don't know about her yet as the winner. I think she looks good, but I think she does get this edit that she's a little boring and a little bland and some of her ideas. I mean, at the beginning of the of the task, she kind of reminded me a little bit of when Mary Lou Henner had the Foxwoods Casino <laughs> challenge mm. and she just brought in like a chess player. Yes. <laughs> and uh, it seemed like the same thing. Like Layla always goes with, I'm a boxer. Let's do something about health. Let's do something about. So it seems like she kind of falls within certain stereotypes of, of her own self. Mike, did you think that it was going to be too boring? I felt like that the whole mood of the thing shifted once we got to Layla Ali. I completely agree. And I think, you know, Kyle tried to keep it light a little bit in their weird sort of like view-esque conglomerate of her, Lisa, and Snooki, uh, which would actually be a pretty fun roundtable of people to just talk about anything. Uh, but I feel like once Layla came out, I mean, she commanded it. Rocco gave her a lot of commendations in the boardroom about the fact that, you know, doing a live demo is not easy to do. But I don't know how much Layla revealed to the other women that she was in nutrition school, but that clearly paid off. But I have to agree with what Megan said. I think this was obviously in her wheelhouse, you know, the live demo element specifically. But, you know, if we get another task down the road where she needs to be creative or, you know, even if she was put as the project manager for this next task of essentially be funny and make a shocking video, I think that's a way she can falter. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening uh, with her. But as long as maybe she still has people like some of these kooky people on her team, uh, maybe That'll be okay. I mean, it really is with being project manager on the women's team, like herding cats. I mean, they really are all over the place. And you saw what happened when Snooki was just letting them do whatever they want. And that that second presentation, which we'll talk about later, was such a disaster. (laughs) 
That's what I wanted to see. <laughs> yeah, that was good. All right. So we got to see the men's talk show and not too much here of note. Uh, we got some science from uh, Matt Eisman talking about the polyphenol. Carson is hosting. Megan, anything stand out for you in the men's talk show? I think Carson's getting a good edit. I liked how uh, mm-hmm. Chael was the Gelman and was running around with the giant cue cards everywhere. And uh, I think the underrated star of today was the um, the gentleman judge from Welch's Grape Juice yeah. who found everything hilarious. I believe his name was Mari. Yeah. Yeah, I think Maury should have been John Lovitz's personal laugh track. Oh, he was dying. Like Layla Ali said something we've established not funny. And he was like, (laughs) I think he's just so happy to be out of the Welch's office. I I know that Ricky Williams made a little bit of a stink about the boy George Vince Neil collaboration number two. I, I felt like it was fine. The weird thing about it for me was the lyric. I think it was like, Gotta get that purple stuff. Yeah, here's the which- song. Give kids a purple star, which with polyphenols to support a healthy heart. Give your kids some purple stuff. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm being offered drugs. <laughs> like, oh, you want some purple stuff, huh? Here's a mysterious purple liquid. Drink up. <laughs> yeah, like this, like this, like the Sunny D commercials. That like random purple murky liquid that was in the background. That's what Vince Neil and Boy George were holding up on a pedestal. I'm not a nutritionist. Is grape juice that good for you? I think it has a lot of sugar in it, doesn't it? That's what I Listen, think. I feel like that's the crusade of Welch's, though. As of late, is they're saying like. 100%. I feel like 100% juice is uh, an analytic, you know, metric that's really been thrown out a lot recently because of those accusations. So, I feel like Welch's has been moving a lot towards reduced sugar. I don't know if that deters from the general taste of it, but yeah, I, I don't know if if grape juice is the most nutritious out of all possible fruit juices you can consume. I'm going to text Nicole right now. Would you let the kids drink grape juice? And I'm going to see what she says about that. Get back to her. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to suspect that she's going to say no effing way, but we'll see. Next thing you know, you're going to be hand pressing grape juice because you didn't specify Welch's. (laughs) I guess so. Give your kids that purple stuff, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we got to the boardroom and we were talking through it. And it did seem like that the judges liked both teams pretty much. It's not like in the second task where there were strong feelings negatively against one of the teams. And Arnold is bouncing around. And of course, he goes to his favorite punching bag, John Lovett's in the boardroom and uh he's really uh, attacking him for uh, seemingly no reason uh once again would have had helped you a little bit the laugh track <laughs> <laughs> that's like me saying would acting lessons help you <laughs> touche governor finally you're coming alive <laughs> This is the boardroom, not of sleeping, but of action. <laughs> All right, so, so so many different things to touch on there. First off, Wolf. yeah, just like going right after John Lovitz and saying uh, he needs a laugh track for no reason, Mike. I, I also love. I mean, I know people have complained about Arnold's maybe stiffness in the first episode, but his delivery and the way he phrases words, and I don't mean to make fun of it because I know he's a foreigner, but they're just so funny. Of like. 
Do you feel like your humor, which is your asset, contributed to the wellness of the brand of Welch's grape juice? <laughs> but maybe the most interesting part is at the end, because he's yes. like, a, okay, John, finally, you're coming alive, because this is a, a boardroom of, of not sleeping, of action. This is that boardroom not of sleeping, but of action. <laughs> I, know he, I know he idolizes Abraham Lincoln, but he's starting to talk like he's from like the 18th. 50s. Yeah, Megan, have you ever thought of it as the boardroom not of sleeping, but of action? Uh, not until today, but now I will never think of it of anything else. Yes, the boardroom not of sleeping, but of action. And uh, just uh, really always picking on uh, poor John Lovitz. Uh, so ultimately, the judges felt like for the men, uh, they thought they liked the fan participation, but they thought it was a little disjointed, uh, which I believe is the working title of the Ricky Williams biography. Uh, didn't focus <laughs> enough on the lifestyle. Uh, the women, the judges said it was it was polished. It captured the essence of the brand and they nailed the millennial mom audience. That's really who Welch's grape juice is going for, Megan. Uh, I guess so. I guess so. I mean, uh, that's what they said they were going to try to get on the men's team, but they were going to talk about working dads to appeal to millennial moms. Um, but I guess it didn't work out that well. I, lo- I love that the dads in this case are just serving as like pure conduits. They're the middleman to really get to <laughs> yes. the millennial mom. Yes, that's right. All right. I have a text response back from Nicole. Yes. Not Breaking stucky. news are happening now. All right. Nicole has texted back and she says, Facebook says it's good for the flu. <laughs> that wasn't even mentioned. <laughs> Wow, I guess next time on Celebrity Apprentice, they're going to have to do a Welch's Grape Task about how much has an effect on the immune system. Now we get to see uh, Miss Germ come out and say that she's not getting with Mr. Streptococcus. Wow. That's what all those polyphenols are good for. Who knew? Looks like you're going to go buy some uh, grape juice. (laughs) Right after this show. I have to go out there. Now, I don't know if Nicole is reading fake news on Facebook. This could be just like put out there by the Welch's propaganda machine, which interrupted <laughs> this show with 100 commercials for Welch's grapefruit juice. <laughs> yeah, b- big juice is really after uh, is really after them. <laughs> we got to reach the millennial moms. They're on Facebook. Get, get some, some fake grape news going. <laughs> <laughs> they probably have a mole in her mom group. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that's the miss grape is the woman who sold her soul to welchich has now infiltrated the adult women's group to push the product on them it's like the avon lady yeah all right so the women win 50k for layla ali and we go to the boardroom and once again uh chael is trying to argue that the great idea he had was the song and you couldn't charge enough money to see Vince Neil and Boy George. He's really sticking to this talking point from last week, Mike, of you couldn't buy tickets to this concert. I have a sinking feeling that after this show is over, Chael's going to try to release a Vince Neil Boy George concert, which will sell out to no cities. Yeah. Uh, but Megan, this is the moment where Eric Dickerson, uh, when he was asked, Eric, why shouldn't we file you? Uh, He said, uh, well, he wouldn't have a problem if he's fired. Megan, did you know instantly that that was going to be it for him? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Chael seemed to have some strengths and, you know, Ricky was his number two and it didn't even make sense where they were going with the Ricky argument. So and the idea that he was gone last week, I think it was culminating to a 
he was going to see you later. Well, Chael was talking about how Ricky Williams was saying that the song wasn't good, but Ricky Williams said, no, 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 I ultimately did like the song. I just didn't think it was a good idea at first. And so Arnold Schwarzenegger had a very important <laughs> history lesson for the two warring men in the boardroom about another historical figure who worked with people that did not get along with him. President Lincoln, he would go and take, uh, you know, the team of rivals around him. So the people that disagreed with him the most during the election and that fought him the most, he would bring them in as part of the team afterwards because he wanted to have lively discussions. He wanted to have arguments. He wanted to have the pros and cons of everything. Yes, <laughs> Mike. There was a, there was that one time when President Lincoln had to sell his log cabin, so he got into his underwear and he went into the marketplace. <laughs> President Lincoln is the best leader we have ever seen. And then there was other time that President Lincoln went to the theater with one of his rivals. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> but yeah. it's interesting. Arnold is pushing uh, the Ainsley Haynes approach from West Wing here of uh, stock your cabinet with as many rivals as you can to get a lively discussion going. So I guess that meant that Ricky was kind of off the hook here because he sort of said, I don't have any problem with disagreement. So, I, you know, I guess we're seeing that in the forms of like Ricky and Lisa Leslie seems to be most of all you talked about before the analogy of the stick in the mud. So it seems like but with Arnold living by the Lincoln like standards, uh, I don't know if those that are protesting too much as part of their teams will be going anytime soon. Megan, do you know that Schwarzenegger was so averse to having yes men around? Uh, I didn't know he was averse to having yes men, but I have heard him recently be speaking uh, about Lincoln a lot. And I'm thinking he he read the the book, the Lincoln's Rivals book. That's a book that's out that talks about how Lincoln uh, filled his cabinet with uh, people that were his rivals because he seems to be quoting it quite a bit this week. Yes. Uh, Mike, do you find Patrick Schwarzenegger to be a yes man or part of a team of rivals that Schwarzenegger has built? At this point, Patrick Schwarzenegger is just a piece of furniture in the boardroom. This is why I stock my team with all my rivals, like I Justine and Tyra Banks and Warren Buffett <laughs> and, my nephew. And, and Patrick Schwarzenegger. These are all of my rivals, uh, just like President Lincoln. I know that he's related to him, but if we had to choose between losing Tyra Banks or losing Patrick Schwarzenegger, my God, we picked the wrong kid to kill here. <laughs> we had him, he is sticking around and he has not gone any better. He, he's lacking any sort of charisma at this point, but now I'm just sort of, I want him to keep staying on the show just to keep watching if he keeps staying so dull throughout all the weeks of this show. <laughs> no. He is a hustler. He did go to both challenges. Yeah. He's look, he works cheap and he goes to all the things. You don't have to pay him a high day rate. Oh, look, here's another one of my rivals now is Rocco Despirito. <laughs> did you did you hear actually, and I think Ron Chan brought this up to us in the patron Facebook group, that there's a there might be a little bit of a contract conflict of interest here on Celebrity Apprentice, where apparently John Lovitz and uh, a UFC fighter, not Chael, are starring in a show together about this UFC fighter buying a horse. And apparently, John Lovitz is represented as a lawyer by none other than, none other than Patrick Schwarzenegger. Hmm. Well, Arnold Schwarzenegger did say that Patrick Schwarzenegger represented some of the top names in Hollywood. So that's maybe what he was talking about. Those are it. Those are the two people he represents. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, is this a conflict of interest? Uh, I, I'm not sure. I, I find that the world of Celebrity Apprentice, uh, past and present, probably filled with a number of conflicts of interest. 
I mean, I guess we'll have to wait and see where, you know, maybe Patrick pushes for John to get fired, then turns around and says, "Okay, you're going to need to fire. You need to sue my uncle now for a wrongful termination. That's how you build a team of rivals, Mike. It starts with a lawsuit. Yes, and you build all the rivals. Uh, Johnny Bananas, Wes, Kenny, all the rivals are here. Johnny Bananas, is that the boyfriend of Miss Grape? <laughs> yes, Miss Grape's getting too, too much into the, the fruit basket with Johnny Bananas, and we're here to put an end to it. Yeah. Double dipping in the reality shows. No double dipping! <laughs> yeah. So ultimately we get to uh, Eric Dickerson is fired, and uh, you know, see you later, Eric. I did like uh, Chael's math in the boardroom. He says that there's been three tasks. Eric's missed one of them. Don't count this one. And he's missed 50%. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's good. If you could you say it. that? Could you, if if you made it to week ten, could you have been like, "Don't count these eight, and then he's missed them." Well, if you don't count the first one, he's never even been to a task. That's true. Because <laughs> yes, it's very true. If you don't count this task, he hasn't even been to to Los Angeles at all. So, all right. So Eric Dickerson is gone. Let's get to the second task because uh, that's probably where uh, we saw more of our train wrecks uh, in this episode. And now uh, here is I Justine. Mike, are you a fan of the work of I Justine? So I know that we can definitely, you know, point and laugh at the idea of, you know, social media mogul or YouTube star these days, especially those that appear on reality television. But I feel like I, Justine, is actually one of the first YouTube stars. For those of you that don't remember, I think she was one of the first viral people, much to Carrie Keegan's uh, disarray. In 2007, she came out with that video of the 300-page iPhone bill, I think, back when, you know, she was one of the first people to get an iPhone and she got this extremely long bill and it sort of went viral from everyone who was complaining about the service that Apple was providing and she was able to turn that into a career. I'm surprised we didn't see more of her. I think she actually only visited and gave comments on the women's team. That might have just been for time's sake, but... I thought it was very applicable to have her on this task. Yeah, I think it was a good idea to have her on the task. But I just think that these judges that come in, that they try to all do the same bit of just being sort of like the George and Carolyn archetype. And when you have somebody who's an electric personality, it just seems like they get sort of pigeonholed in the sort of like nodding. Oh, yeah, I think that's a good idea. Megan, do you feel like that this was good use of I, Justine? I didn't know who I Justine was. I'll be honest. I had to Google who she was. She was she was very lovely um, and seems like she's done very well. But yeah, it seems like no matter what that person is sitting to the left of Arnold, their job is at the end of the episode, Arnold's going to say something and your job is to say, I agree. No, and I don't the, want yes men s- in the boardroom. <laughs> no, get out. <laughs> I need a team of rivals. They, they're all doing that. I will say, I did think she, she uh, spoke a little bit more in the boardroom than Rocco did or even Tyra did when they actually were down to the final three. She actually um, was the only person I thought that said some things. Now, this task was going to be with Kings Hawaiian, where mm-hmm. they had to do a viral video. Arnold Schwarzenegger is there with the executives from Kings Hawaiian, and he says something to them about video. And let's play a little round of what the hell is Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> saying? I'm going to play you a clip and then I need one of you to buzz in and tell me what is Arnold Schwarzenegger saying? 
Now, as you know, art has changed throughout the centuries and through the days, technology is even changing faster. I've seen this firsthand. I mean, the video that we released, I was Terminator. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Mike. Uh, I believe he said, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, uh, you know, art has changed with technology uh, to this day. Uh, I saw it firsthand when the first videotape was released of me as Terminator. That's what he's faster. I've seen this firsthand. I mean, the video that we released, I was Terminator. <laughs> what? Well, why is that? The art has changed. Because they were, they've shoved themselves at an art museum. So they had to make some sort of wacky tie in to a role company. I was going to say, if this is the closest connection we can make between Arnold Schwarzenegger and fine art, I think they've done a pretty good job. Now, as you know, art has changed throughout the centuries and through the days, technology is even changing faster. I've seen this firsthand. I mean, the video that we released, I was Terminator. I still don't follow. (laughs) You see the technology, that video they've released, I have Terminator. (laughs) I don't think he said I was Terminator to finish his sentence. He doesn't just pepper that in to remind people. I think he was trying to say that, like, technology has changed. And I guess you can... A lot of people consider film art. That's one example of technology changing things. You know, I remember when, like, at least when Terminator 2 came out and they used the CGI technology with the T-1000, that was a way to improve art through technology. So I'm kind of following his trail here. Mike, what is the sentence? Faster. I've seen this firsthand. I mean, the video that we released, I was Terminator. (laughs) I've seen this firsthand. The video, I mean, the video they released to me when I was Terminator, I didn't say it was a good sentence. I just said that, you know, there's no no predicate to the subject there. That video they released of me? It's like, what was this? Like some found footage that they had? (laughs) I don't they know. just I think, couldn't uh, wait for him to get to that bye-bye clip that they had to uh, cut this one short. Yeah, well, then he told them what was going to happen to the person who got fired, Megan. And of course, another celebrity would here. Bye-bye. <laughs> Does this mean that Arnold Schwarzenegger is literally the bye-bye man, Megan? Uh, <laughs> just got the movie spoiled for us. We can't go see it now. Oh, man. I knew there was a twist at the end. <laughs> when you come and then you come in the boardroom, then you see me and then I'm your worst nightmare. I'm the bye-bye man. Hold on, hold on. That's not how we don't say his name. You don't think his name. Don't even think about his name. You don't want him in the boardroom, okay? Wow, a lot of art has changed when in horror movies. I was Terminator. <laughs> bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> Megan, why is he singing it like this uh, sing song? Uh, bye bye. <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, he could have added just like I'm Terminator to the end of that sentence, too, and it would have made just as much sense. I mean, let's give a credit to Arnold Schwarzenegger here. Would, would Donald Trump have ever said bye bye on The Apprentice? <laughs> we have to go back and take a look. <laughs> but then there actually was a commercial for the Bye Bye Man during the <laughs> Celebrity Apprentice. So maybe was this some sort of like product integration, Megan? Uh, it very well could have been. This has been in the works for years now. You know, the history of art is very lengthy. And then there's even a movie that's coming out about a man who says to everybody, bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs> and then the final scene is when John Wilkes Booth says goodbye, <laughs> bye bye to Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> now, the rival in the movie is going to be called the bye bye man. They, they, they just call him that. That's his name. And then 
uh, everybody's scared. He's like the boogity man. And uh, that's that's how it ha- that's what happens. And then the sequel is going to be called The High High Woman, uh, played by Ricky Kyle Williams. No. Uh, all right. <laughs> now, Mike, uh, King's Hawaiian is back. Uh, this is not their first foray into marketing on The Celebrity Apprentice. No, it's their first foray, apparently, into non-bakery goods, but not on the <laughs> Celebrity Apprentice. Uh, if we remember last season, King's Hawaiian had a rather memorable task. Uh, they weren't creating viral videos. I believe instead they were doing what were supposed to be photo bombs, but really did not end up being photo bombs. But if you remember, that's the one where Kenya Moore initially came up with the idea of having someone's buttocks uh, being replaced with buns and having various people reach for said buns. <laughs> Kenya Moore was gone with the wind fabulous. <laughs> Uh, and that I'm looking on uh, Us Magazine uh, about an article where then I think then we get to the very famous episode. This is where Kenya Moore claims that Vivica Fox couldn't give it her all because she was uh, allegedly menopausal uh, and claimed that Fox tweeted that fact herself. So that was the last <laughs> time that Kings Hawaiian was involved in the uh, Celebrity Apprentice. Patrick, bye. Patrick. Yeah. So uh, who, who knew? Who could forget PhoneGate? <laughs> yeah, PhoneGate. It's all. Uh, it's all coming together now. So you would think that the King's Hawaiian brand would be, uh, you know, scarred forever. Hand on a hot stove. Stay away from the Celebrity Apprentice. But no, they are back to pimp their new line of King's Hawaiian barbecue sauce. Megan, you you in or out on the King's Hawaiian barbecue sauce? Well, it's clear that they signed a two-year contract, and that's why they're back. Um, I, I mean, I guess uh, I have to try it to make my judgment. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what if you're a roll company, how you parlay that into barbecue sauce. But, you know, let's see. Okay, so this time around, Snooki is going to be the project manager. And Matt Iceman, uh, he's going to be the project manager. And this is when Snooki tells us that she's here to be known as Nicole, the mom, the businesswoman. Snooki is... No more. Is this sort of like finding out that there's no such thing as Santa Claus anymore? <laughs> Snooky Claus. Uh, turns out that it was our parents the entire time bringing us the big poofs of hair uh, and the spray tans. Yeah, I mean, again, like this is what we sort of came here to see, right? We wanted to see Snooky kind of be a little bit of a mess, admittedly, be her Jersey Shore persona. It's very clear that Snooky since then, I mean, she's written books. She's been on other reality shows. She's become a mother. She's gotten married. She clearly wants to move on from that. We can sort of contest what if Arnold's assessment later on of that she did, in fact, grow over the course of four episodes. <laughs> yeah. That really is valid. But really yeah, it's a little sad for her. To, but it's a, it's a little hard for her to leave Snooki behind, especially because if we're just moving on to the Nicole persona, Nicole persona is kind of a wimp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Nicole persona is not that great, Megan. She's a little bit of a wet blanket, <laughs> a little bit of a disappointment Yeah, like for a everybody. glacier. Total. She. I mean, yeah. Could you ever think of that? Snooki's a glacier on a TV show. Yeah, I don't know. She's a. T- I don't. I don't even know who she is anymore. So we have some drama that comes up on the two teams. Uh, in the women's team, uh, there's a lot of ideas that are being uh, kicked around in terms of what they're going to be doing in the barbecue sauce video. Once again, uh, Lisa Leslie gets put into the job of being the director. It seems like there's always a problem and always drama, yet she is always back behind the camera. And Layla Ali asked her if she was going to be the director of these videos. And she responded, allegedly, Megan. 
<laughs> is that kind of like apparently? <laughs> Allegedly, I'm supposed to be directing this new barbecue sauce commercial, but I haven't heard exactly what the idea is. The commercial is going to be pouring barbecue sauce on a vinyl record, just appreciating the mellow aspects that it brings to the gold old times of barbecue sauce. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I hear that this barbecue sauce goes perfect with any squid that you're preparing, <laughs> allegedly. Uh, here's the notes for the men's team. Uh, we really like the, the old the old school aspects, but it brought, we were a little confused about the pairing with the squid, uh, especially when it went after that hot woman at the end of it and started dragging it around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the men's team where John Lovitz was responsible for the ad, I don't know what the ad was supposed to be about. <laughs> it really was like, and it was kept changing where it started off with like at one point, I'm pretty sure that the idea was literally let's get a, a hot woman and have her be pouring barbecue sauce on herself. I mean, did I hear that correctly, Mike? You were completely correct. And let's remember, we're never, John Lovitz kind of lives in the uncanny valley here. Let's remember last episode, his big, even though he won as project manager, his big first idea was to make a joke about how bad boy George's teeth is uh, for Trident. So, and we're starting to see interesting, I would almost compare John Lovitz here to Joan Rivers in that they're both kind of storied comedians who want to do it their way or the highway. We're really seeing John Lovitz be a little prickly here with like, no, it's my way. Oh, when, when you can't, we're not doing it at all. I feel like you're not listening to me at all, people. <laughs> Megan, are we headed towards some sort of meatloaf-esque meltdown for John Lovitz this season? I I don't know. It doesn't seem like uh, John Lovitz is the kind of guy who will blow up and scream at people. It seems like he'll just get more uh, sad and meek and just like people aren't talking to me and get frustrated with it. I don't know if he's a screamer. I don't know. It seems like there was a couple points in the episode where like anybody who's like giving him more input, like he needs to go into like the edit bay or behind the camera and you need to just leave him alone. And if you try to talk to him, he does seem like he's just like snapping at people. I mean, we saw him snap at Vince Neal pretty good where Vince Neal was like giving him a suggestion on something. He's like, okay, thank you. I'll put your idea into consideration. Uh, like where he was just like kind of mean about it. Just say, let me just ship that idea off to nobody cares land. <laughs> One way ticket. <laughs> yeah. Uh, are we in or out on Vince Neal? Out. Out, Mike? I don't know. Like, I feel like at first I thought admittedly he was just kind of g- going to be like a, a wine infused glacier uh, <laughs> where he just sort of like is there and doesn't really contribute much. But he's bringing at least some drama to the show. So I'm... I'll put the in in Vince Neal in this case until he becomes super boring and super useless. Yeah, I'm sort of on the fence, but I kind of like that he is uh, chill. Uh, Not so much in the Eric Dickerson. It seems like he does care, uh, but he's uh, not super too like uh ready to fly off the handle i i'm i'm on the fence with vince neal it could go either way uh so we were on the set with the men and we had another meltdown uh boy george was getting uh, boy george is getting frustrated (laughs) and (laughs) megan were you were you on uh george's side or you thought that he was being too much of a diva I mean, I did like in the boardroom how he said that they weren't shooting Ben-Hur. Like, why did they make him just stand around for so long in the football outfit? Yeah. He's like, come on, let's just get on with it. Uh, he was mad. Yeah. Um, 
I didn't really dig either of the men's videos. I don't even understand how this King's Hawaiian is being sold by, hey, let's play a football game with a glass bottle. <laughs> yeah, all right, we need to talk about these because I feel like all four videos up here are, again, why I keep coming back to the Celebrity Apprentice. I don't know how they stack in comparison to the disastrous Tide commercials of the hand load and also, let's not forget, uh, the little person attacking uh, Jesse, Jesse, whatever his name was, uh, Sandra Bullock's, Jesse yeah. James, Sandra Bullock's ex. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll talk about the men's commercial here. I agree. I don't understand Ricky's commercial and that, like, the the execs pointed out they're not using the, the they're not eating anything with the sauce of that commercial they're throwing it around and that's a horrible message to say you know throw around a glass object I will say the uh, the image of Carson tackling Ricky Williams is funny although injury causing but the second commercial was c- completely ludicrous and maybe hinted towards a hot woman sleeping with a dog at the end i I don't know how to feel about that megan could you rank the four commercials one to four uh are you saying in terms of like actually being good or in terms of actually being good i think double dip is first Uh, i'll go with the uh ricky um Boy George football one. Yeah. I'll go with the barbecue dog one. Uh, Jerry Bruckheimer, the second, gets a woman. <laughs> Third. And uh, then we'll go with spinning around on the floor near backdrops. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I have it scored the same way. And I have a big gap between double dip and the football game. And I kind of feel like, you know, this should be like best ball territory for me, where the women made one actually decent viral video and the men made like two terrible ones and the women had also like one with that was like a complete disaster and because they had one that was a disaster they lose right i feel like at least they made one that was actually decent also did i mishear this did when boy george was talking about theirs did he say there was nothing spontaneous about it it was like a birth is that what he said Well, I guess at birth, it takes nine months to prepare. So it's the exact opposite of spontaneity. (laughs) Yes. uh, I wasn't sure if I misheard it. According to the millennial moms. But why two viral videos? Mike, have you ever heard of such a thing? Like why not? Instead of one viral video, okay, make two viral videos. Well, maybe they thought, okay, let's not put all their eggs in one basket. If one sucks, maybe there's a good chance that the other will be better, which happened with the women. As you said, with the men, it was a little bit closer, though I would still say I'll go with the same power ranking as you guys, but the dog one has to be pretty far down there as well, because it had Vince Neil nonsensically getting mauled by a small dog and then jumping into a woman's arms, which does not, from birth to death to actual execution, did not work on any level for me. There was also one point where, like, the punchline of that video was supposed to be John Lovitz was eating the hot sauce and or the or the barbecue sauce and saying, like, boy, that's hot. And then the woman walks by and Carson says, I'll say. And then John Lovitz, like, I was talking about the barbecue sauce. And he's like, so was I switching teams. Uh, and that, that ultimately <laughs> got cut the switching teams. But John Lovitz said that, that was sense. the punchline, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, the gay conversion is the big punchline of the of the King's Hawaiian ad. But that makes no sense from a comedic perspective. Like, wouldn't the joke, the button to end on would be, you know, hey, I wasn't talking about her. I was talking about the sauce. Carson saying me too. 
doesn't make any sense. And then him saying that he is no longer gay because of barbecue sauce just confuses the point even further. I think that the idea of a viral video, I think, has been lost on the celebrities. I think that <laughs> who would share this? I mean, who would watch it in Matt the first Eisman place? Matt Eisman would share it. Yes. Matt Eisman, doctor, sorry, doctor Matt Eisman would share it because it had all those chicken wings in it. I thought of course, as soon as they said it's a barbecue sauce challenge, I said, oh my gosh, of course, Matt Eisman, sorry, doctor Matt Eisman is going to be the project manager because he was all obsessed with wings last week. Wasn't Dr. Eisman sort of scarred from last week where they told him that the worst part about the video that they made was him with all the disgusting sauce on his face? What if they had lost again by saying like, hey, guys, you poured two okay commercials, but man, that hot sauce on your face really took away from the King's Hawaiian (laughs) product. And then it's the curse of the hot sauce on Celebrity Apprentice. The curse of the hot sauce. Uh, And the Saucy Housewives uh, shoot. Let's talk about what went wrong here. (laughs) Now, could either of you guys follow exactly what the problem was? So let's let's kind of track the progress here, specifically of the Saucy Housewives commercial, because well, Double Dip seemed to be okay in all of its Joan Crawford-esque aspects of it. Um, so Kyle's initial idea for this was that this man was so distracted by his barbecue sauce that everything going on around him, he wouldn't even pay attention to. The one activity they decided to highlight were two housewives fighting and, I guess, dragging each other around. Not unlike the first part of the commercial that we saw for Chock Full of Nuts last season with our two housewives, but then either due to Lisa, due to Portia, due to a lack of production details or time, it just spiraled into a complete and utter Hindenburg-esque level of commercial. Megan, was the problem that they weren't doing the right thing or was the problem that Lisa didn't get the shot? Everything was the problem. (laughs) Make no mistake. Because, uh, I mean, even just if you're looking at Lisa not getting the right shot, what was she shooting on? There was like this weird backdrop. The guy was sitting (laughs) on a folding chair (laughs) like six feet away. But then like you could still see like all the camera equipment in the background. It was just like, (laughs) where are you supposed to be, my friends? Yeah, Yeah. I don't want... (laughs) <laughs> that makes no sense. It's supposed to be like, oh, this is supposed to be like a hidden camera footage of a soundstage where a man is enjoying chicken wings. They just sort of gave up. Like, oh, we should put him in a box in the corner. I thought it was supposed to be like something like behind the scenes of something, but I really couldn't follow exactly uh, what was going on here. I don't even know what Kyle's original idea was supposed to be. I don't understand why Kyle was getting ready so long. I mean, she was like, oh, I have to go get ready to look like a housewife. And then she comes out with this like crazy teased hair. And it's like, I thought you're a housewife. Like, if you're a housewife, aren't you a housewife 24-7? I was very confused by that. Oh, oh, a real housewife. Okay. And and by real housewife, I mean not an an actual housewife. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a quote unquote real housewife. So maybe that's what they were going for. But who who knows? And you you mentioned it, but this idea of like the idea is that this guy is supposed to be distracted, but like now you have them in front of him and it's not they're not doing anything except Portia just dragging Kyle Richards around like she's a 
or uh, Orson vacuum cleaner. I don't exactly know what the point was, but of course, any point that was supposed to be made completely got maligned when you put Portia and Snooky in the edit bay, and they say, let's just add a bunch of kooky sound effects. <laughs> yeah, uh, they're putting, uh, like, okay, let's just make it be black and white. Let's put this sound effect in there. Uh, I think at one point, uh, they even had this sound effect in there. Fresh and fresh! Snooki said let's put a gun in there Let's shoot a gun going off Yeah she had sirens Thunder (laughs) I just love like This idea of like let's take all the stock sound effects That this edit technician has And like saved on his computer We'll throw it in there let's put a baby crying Let's put a dog barking I do love the thought bubble as well because again it gave, it gave me Vietnam as flashbacks to Clint Black with his thought bubbles when his wife came home. Yeah. Yep. But was that so bad that it completely erased any sort of progress they made with the double dip ad Megan? I mean, I think maybe it wouldn't have been so terrible if they showed the product. I mean, basically, if you look at the clip, it's this just them spiraling out of control. At least they could have, like, had somebody standing behind them as a giant bottle of King's Hawaiian barbecue sauce. And then it would be like, oh, yeah, I guess this is for barbecue sauce and some crazy S is happening elsewhere. But they didn't even have anything else happening. Yeah, Kyle should have dressed up as Miss Barbecue Sauce and they should have had a big confrontation about sleeping with Mr. Grill. Uh, yeah, it, it made no sense. It felt like if you gave like uh, an, a, a film school student, like an independent film school student, like, okay, you need to create a commercial for Kings Hawaii. And this is like, you have like opera music in the background, black and white, slow motion. Really, it gives a statement on society, not so much about Kings Hawaiian. Megan, if you had to consume one food product featured on the Celebrity Apprentice after this episode, are you more likely to want Welch's grape juice or Kings Hawaiian barbecue sauce? Oh, I'll go with the Kings Hawaiian barbecue sauce. Uh, and, and for any particular reason? No, I mean, I I think that uh, grape juice is pretty standard quo. I I think that I'm not sure how long the barbecue sauce is going to be out there for, so I may as well get it while I can. (laughs) Mike, what about you? All right, let's review here. If I consume King's Hawaiian barbecue sauce, apparently, I will get verbally assaulted by (laughs) Layla Ali. Uh, I will be a witness to assault between two women and not realize it. I will get tackled by a, co- a former host of Queer Eye from the Straight Guy, and I will boink a little dog. So I am taking Welch's grape juice with a T. <laughs> it's also good at fighting the flu as well. Did you know this, Mike? <laughs> yes, exactly. It's cold and flu season. So those uh, Pepto-Bismols or whatever they are are really going to help this time of year. <laughs> you guys are missing out on all the fun over in King's Hawaiian land. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, finally, they go to the uh, the boardroom. Also, uh, that Carson actually did hurt his elbow. Uh, Megan, are you concerned about Carson being in a sling the rest of the way? Or is he faking this injury like Tyson in Blood versus Water? Oh, I think this is for not only sympathy, but this way, if there's ever a task where you have to like carry anything heavy or he like can't be the prop guy, then uh, I think this was a good move by by Carson, who's really coming to be a front runner on the show. Yeah. He also I feel like he has no excuse. I mean, let's remember on The Apprentice proper. I think it was season four. That woman, Rebecca, when they used to go on the rewards, they went like ice skating and she broke her foot. But she had, to, but she stayed and toughed it out through the rest of the competition. So I feel like that's almost a statement to anyone who competes on Celebrity Apprentice. Like, 
you can injure the heck out of yourself, and unless you get medevaced by Dr. Joe or Dr. Matt, uh, you will have to stay on the show and give it your all. Has anybody ever been medevaced out of The Apprentice, celebrity or regular, Megan? Uh, I don't think so. Anyone's been medevaced. I mean, usually people just won't show up. So if he really was hurt, he would just be like, BT dubs, I'm taking next week off, and not you're not going to fire Jackson, me for it. I feel like that she <laughs> that's, might add something, but no, maybe not. But, but if... If Carson did miss next week, that's going to be ammunition in Chael's gun for him to say, you know, Carson, he missed one week. So if you don't count that, only two out of three times that he do well. All right. So we go to the boardroom and uh, we're talking about all of these videos. Uh, The men ultimately win. The problem was with the women that the Saucy Housewives video, there was no brand recognition. The executives uh, really hated it. And so when the women ultimately get to the boardroom, Arnold is really piling on them about the uh, time management. And he tells them that if you would have had two great videos, you would have won. You would have won. Like, uh, yeah, duh. Like, uh, how do you, <laughs> how, how, how does it, like, oh, if we would have just would have made two good videos. Oh, that's, that's so like stupid. when Lisa was talking earlier and she's like, I'm going to be the director. You guys are going to act and then I'm going to direct you. And it's like, yeah, I think that's how it works. <laughs> allegedly, allegedly, Megan, allegedly, allegedly the director. Um, Kyle was like completely off the hook of that. I love this notion of yes. Uh, This was my idea to do, but my idea was not executed. They botched my idea so much between when I said it and what we actually did. So I can't even get you can't get mad at me for what this was, because what they did was in no way resembling what I actually said. Yeah. uh, Two weeks in a row, it seems, or, you know, two big episodes in a row where Kyle Richards suggested a seemingly bad idea but was able to get off the hook for it. I wonder if eventually, like Final Destination style, death will take her eventually. (laughs) Yeah, this is a good idea. I'm going to try this in real life where anytime something goes wrong, I'm just going to claim like, yes, yes, it was my idea, but the execution of it was just all wrong. And if they would have done it right, then my idea would have been perfect. And so that I, I claim no responsibility for this. Uh, check back with us next week and see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> so ultimately, uh, we're getting some good fireworks uh, with Lisa and Portia. Portia really hates Lisa's guts, Megan. Oh, yeah. And and she had no reason to go after Lisa that hard. It was clear that Snooki was going down, that she was, you know, folding in and she was the one who's going to be fired. So Portia really could have just sat back a little bit, said a few things here and there. But she decided to go straight up after Lisa. Yeah. Mike, do you think that Lisa is being uh, unfairly ganged up on by the women? It seems like everybody is pretty sick of her. Yeah, it's interesting. I think we actually talked about this at the end of the last podcast of like, what do we think the effects of Lisa's performance in the boardroom would be? And it's interesting. We even hear it from Layla, I think, like first thing in the beginning of this episode of saying, you know, hey, Lisa kind of ostracized herself, which I I guess maybe they considered what she did to Carney a little cutthroat. But in that case, it was sort of kill or be killed, right? Uh, Maybe she wouldn't have gotten fire necessarily, but she kind of went for the juggler with Carney, but then kind of showed the player that she was, and maybe they don't want to necessarily deal with that player head on, as was shown here, even though Snooki is going to kind of catch the stray bullet here. Uh, her and Portia really went head to head. So now we're possibly seeing Alisa 
Layla rivalry and now a Lisa Portia rivalry. She is just racking up names in that little black book. Yeah, Megan, I do find that Lisa probably is a bit of a negative Nancy that no matter what anybody is doing, she's really taking that tact of like, oh, you know, I said that this was going to be a bad idea and, you know, nobody listened to me. Yeah, I mean, she's going to get the reputation of every time where you don't want to give Lisa anything important because, you know, she'll end up throwing you under the bus and she's in it for herself. And, you know, there's something to being self-interested on the show. But, you know, she's having it be where the other women, all of them are pointing their finger at Lisa as she's the one who's going to bring our team down because she's not a team player, despite being the actual team player on the team. So. In the second boardroom in a row tonight, Arnold is asking Snooky slash Nicole who he should fire. And she says, you know, I'm going to be honest. I want to take the fault for this, uh, which ends up uh, leading Arnold Schwarzenegger. No choice uh, but to fire Snooky. And uh, this is a thing, you know, Trump used to do this, too, that when he has to really sell how great the person is, it's usually a reflection that they are actually not that great. I mean, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Snooky, you came here. You did so many different things. You impressed everyone. You're such an entrepreneur. You're such a humanitarian. You are part of a many team of rivals. Everyone loves you and you're the best. And I want my kids to be like you and you're wonderful and you're going to be a big star. And they're like, all right, we get it. But we do have to notice, you know, Trump was known for sort of tossing pity money to people that he fired sometimes because he really believed in them or their charity. Maybe it's because they're paying 50K out every task, but no celebrities have received any sort of payouts yet after being terminated. Not yet from Schwarzenegger. Maybe, maybe down well, the road. Well, Kings Hawaiian may have thought they only had to pay like 10 grand, but then Arnold strong-armed them into the extra 25. Yeah, yeah. we didn't talk about that, about Arnold saying like, okay, I will offer 25000 And he just sort of looks over like, okay, come on, <laughs> offer the money. This is a robbery. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so the King's Hawaiian Company, I don't know if they're going to be back for Celebrity Apprentice. And we're not sure if Celebrity Apprentice is going to be back uh, for another season after this, that it was uh, very much talked about in the news that the ratings were down from the 2015 premiere. Mike, do you think there's any chance that the Celebrity Apprentice ratings could bounce back? I'll be um, back. Well, I mean, I think we're just going to have to, we could tie this into the larger conversation of the tweet feud that broke out between Donald Trump and Arnold Schwarzenegger, two apprentice hosts going head to head here. Because yes, going back to the numbers we talked about a little bit last week, I believe the premiere brought in 4.95 million, which was definitely down from the previous season premiere. I believe in the 18 to 49 demo, it was down something like 44%. You can attribute a lot of things to that. Uh, people were wa- were not watching the show for a variety of reasons with affiliations both past and present. The Bachelor's premiere, we talked about that kind of being a reality show substitute rather than a compliment. There are, I know, big bowl games going on. So, you know, for those that were not wanting to see Eric Dickerson and Ricky Williams uh, compete on another show, they tuned into that. But that sort of sparked uh, an interesting conversation between the two hosts. But I don't know, putting my tinfoil hat on, Part of me kind of wants to wonder, Trump is still an executive producer on the show. Do you think this might be some sort of shady business tactic to say, I'm going to spur up some controversy here, start a fake rivalry, a fake fight to kind of 
I don't know, put a fire under people to tune in to watch the show. You know, the best part of working with Donald is that he was part of a team of rivals and that I get to work <laughs> with people. Uh, is that possible uh, that mm, I would doubt it? Uh, I, I do think that something that the that the president elect does that maybe people uh, either should give him credit for or maybe not take the bait every single time. I think he likes it when people are talking about him talking about or tweeting about Arnold Schwarzenegger and Meryl Streep and not talking so much about whatever is going on uh, in Washington, D.C. And so I do think that he often will point the media in the direction that he wants them to go. And them talking about him versus Arnold Schwarzenegger is a story that he would like to see covered in the media. Yeah, I could I could definitely see that in terms of like serving as a distraction of the, the overall thing. I mean, let's put politics aside and just talk about I mean, I find it's it's a it's just brilliant. It's so much fun to think about this idea of a reality show where the former host <laughs> is trash talking and throwing shade at the new host. It would be like it's not comparable, but like if if uh, Dave Mira tweeted about how the challenge sucks nowadays and how TJ Lavin is a horrible host. I don't know if Dave Mira has enough brain cells left in his head after all his accents to do that, but that would be a lot of fun to check out. Yeah. You don't think Brian Dunkelman threw shade at Ryan Seacrest for like 20 well, years in a row? Together. They took the whole Simon and Garfunkel approach during the series finale and Dunkelman came back onto the screen. Interesting to see uh, how it goes. But uh, Megan, do you think there's any chance that we see a bounce back this week? Uh, I don't think we'll see a bounce back this week. In fact, I think you'll probably see perhaps a dip. I think the mm-hmm. most you would have seen is the premiere. A dip That's or typically a when you'll dip. get the highest viewers. <laughs> yeah, a double dip. A double dip. Would I love that be record. That, I saw that record scratch. It's clear that uh, Porsche and Snooki were already uh, mm-hmm. sound sound effect happy with that first commercial. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, I really think that protests aside, I think the biggest factor is The Bachelor is just such a juggernaut that I do think that most of the reality TV audience is over there. I know that there are people who are not watching because uh, they are politically minded and uh, don't want to support the show uh, because of their political leanings. But I think that the bachelor is probably the number one factor. And I really feel like if they, if they possibly could, I know that they have a set schedule, but another night of the week, I think would do a world of good for the apprentice. Yeah. I think the, the weird thing that they sort of did with the apprentice starting a couple of years ago was that the voice is their form of the bachelor for NBC, right? And essentially what this show is doing, whether doubling up on these episodes is to kind of be a mid season replacement until the voice comes back in late February. So if it's clearly serving that purpose, I can understand why they still want to keep it on Mondays, but I completely agree. Even though ratings went up with the Trump era, when it went from Sunday to Monday, I think putting it back on Sunday night or even just another night of the week would definitely help considering that it's going up against one of the most covered reality TV shows, it seems like, in media nowadays. But that being said, if if Celebrity Apprentice might be on a death watch, I feel like uh, the amount of death that happened in 2016 just shows to us that we need to embrace our present and really live one episode at a time. And I am very much enjoying this show for what it is, even if we only have like five episodes left at this point. I was going to say, and based on the way that the schedule of the Celebrity Apprentice is gone, we wouldn't get another season until 2019. So, I mean, it's got a, it's got a way to go anyway. 
Also, this is of no, I'm on the NBC website because I was curious to know what is on Sunday nights on NBC because in the fall, of course, uh, Sunday night football is on. Uh, and that's uh, such a ratings juggernaut. But Sunday night football is over because the regular season is over. And I'm looking ahead to Sunday, January 15th. And on the NBC website at 7 p.m. is the new Celebrity Apprentice. So I'm not sure if this is a repeated episode or uh, we're seeing some sort of a, uh, a move along the way. But maybe they're just trying out like a, a rerun of Celebrity Apprentice on a Sunday night because it looks like it's also in its regular time slot on Monday the 16th. Well, yesterday they had the Golden Globes. So perhaps they had to schedule around an award show they already knew that they had on Sunday nights. Yeah. So I don't know exactly yeah. what NBC is doing, but I think a lot is going to depend on what the ratings look like. All right. Uh, let's jump into some questions uh, from the listeners as we start to uh, wrap this thing up. Uh, Edmo wants to know, Edmo's a big celebrity apprentice guy. He says, uh, who needs to be the next project manager? Megan, is there somebody who you think needs to step up? Uh, I think, do we need to see Lisa do some work here? Lisa. Uh, I, I feel like, uh, are we asking like the people we want to be project manager? Do we want these people to step out of the woodwork? Because if so, I want Brooke to come on down because she's been, fine she's been pretty adequate at tasks so far but i feel like she's capable of so much more or at least maybe capable of so much more better tv that i would personally like to see her step into the limelight a bit i'd like to see vince neal uh become the project manager let's hope it's a winery that we have to (laughs) to market for yeah we did see in the previews people were getting naked so it could be vince neal's uh (laughs) fantasy tour (laughs) it could be all right uh tony Wants to know, so far this season, do you John love it or John loathe it, Megan? Uh, I'll go with John love it. I mean, he uh, he's good. I like when Arnold picked on him today. I, you know, uh, you pointed to the fact that he could go in a meatloaf direction. I'm not sure if we'll get there, but there's always a chance. So I'll I'll hold on to John Lovett's love. My- oh, the meatloaf direction is my favorite Muppets song, by the way. <laughs> um yeah i'm i'm i'll go with john lovett as well i mean i definitely come in with a bias and that he's one of my favorite snl cast members of all time but i'm excited with the fact that i kind of thought when he was going to come in he was going to kind of be like a george takei in that he was going to kind of not take anything seriously and as a result he might get fired early on but it seems like he's actually pretty passionate about the show which is exciting because that means that he'll be better TV and I'll admit kind of seeing the grumpier side of him is definitely something I didn't expect coming into this show. So I, even though he might've shown a little bit of a nastier side to him this week, I'm still on John Lovett. Yeah. I'm probably in the middle. I really liked last week's episode. I thought that tonight's episode was uh, just so, so I think that the first hour was nothing uh, to write home about until we got to the boardroom. I would agree. I think in both episodes that the second challenge has been the stronger one. From a TV standpoint. But I'll point out again that these viral videos that these celebrities created is the reason why I keep coming back to Celebrity Apprentice. Of just watching these people create the most ridiculous things. And yeah, I'd say that it's following similar trajectories. Though I would say in general, this second episode has kind of lifted the tide a bit that the first episode had set up. Steve Chung wants to know, how come Snooki is unable to fight and assert herself? 
I thought her brand was entirely about fighting. Is she confused and thinks that she's on the genius, Mike? If Snooki thinks she's on the genius, uh, I know that they've been campaigning for, campaigning for an English speaking version of the genius for some time. <laughs> Snook. I don't know what to feel if they if they Snook Bay. I don't know <laughs> how I would feel if they if they cast Snooki on the genius. That just might be a spit in the face of the Korean creators of that show to put Snooki on it. Megan, have you done the genius watch yet? Uh, I did. I did do the season one watch. Yes. Okay. Uh, you're into it. I'm into it. Yeah, I like it a lot. Okay. Would Snooki be on a, another season? I mean, perhaps if this is her her new and improved millennial millennial mom, Nicole Brand, that she's trying to be intellectual and non-confrontational, perhaps. I mean, I don't know. Can you see her playing, uh, what is it, tactical? Uh, nope. She'd tactical give up Yannori. right there. She'd give up right there. She's like, I'll take the back dough. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh ian rice wants to say is uh thank you your terminatorness uh the best goodbye message ever uh megan uh what do you think of that the best goodbye message ever is this thank you your terminatorness yes is that the best goodbye message ever I think uh, this season it's the best one before she gets into the the wonka vader that they send them up to the chopper in yeah Hey, you know what happened to the little girl who wished for everything? They got terminated. <laughs> um, I, I, you you cut off the clip though. I, she doesn't. She also like after that she says, "You are my favorite person ever." Yes, which is like, yes. you're laying on, laying on a, like King's Hawaiian barbecue sauce. Maybe you're laying it on a little too thick there, Snooky. Perhaps Edmo also wants to know: Will there be any fundraising tasks this season? I hope so. That's one of the just the true staples of the Celebrity Apprentice. Maybe they're just going to leave it all for the final challenge. I love a good fundraising task. I love seeing who they can try to call. I love that there's always one person who can't make any money or just makes like $100. That's one of the best. Yeah. I, I won't go too much into like spoiling the like this season on that we saw in the beginning of the first episode because I know some people tend to avoid those because they might be full of spoilers. But there is a point in time I remember where Arnold kind of accosts one of the celebrities for not raising enough money. So you have to assume we're seeing at least one fundraising task in the future. Okay, so uh, we'll see. Uh, Mike Ian Rice also wants to know: Is John Lovitz funny? <laughs> see, I think he is. I feel like he could fit in with the like borscht belt. Alan Shemper in Wet Hot American Summer territory of like being so grown worthy funny. I mean, we didn't even talk about his really stupid raisin joke during the first task, <laughs> but like that's what I sort of find endearing about him. So I personally find him funny, but of course, humor is subjective with a capital S. So uh, to each their own. And finally, Ian also asks uh, four episodes in, who is most likely to win? Megan, do you want to call your shot here with a winner pick? I'll call my shot with Matt Eisman. Matt Eisman. Dr. Matt, sorry. Dr. Matt. I was very impressed by that today. I didn't know he was a doctor. Yes. Yeah, he was he was a it's he went like the Ken Jong route of like he you, he was a doctor and then he tried out stand up, which then I guess got him into hosting as well. So he's really sort of ran the gamut. Total package. Mike, who is your winner pick? I'm going to I'm going to stick with Carson. I feel like even though he has yet to step up as project manager, maybe I can sort of I'll change my answer to that first question to be Carson. I feel like he's he's like the the Pendulette role of like even though he's not the project manager, he's always providing ideas that end up being the winning ideas at the end. He's a great team player. So, I'm going to put my money on Carson at this point. Okay. Carson. And I am going to stick with Layla Ali. I think that she's got the lifestyle brands down. I think she's ready to go. I think that she is the tough 
apprentice that Schwarzenegger is looking for. So I'm going to go with uh, Layla Ali as the winner pick. All right. Good stuff. Do you guys have a hashtag for this week? Let's not go with make America grape again. No, nope. Nope. That'll Is draw it allegedly? Different... Allegedly. Or allegedly. Meatloaf meat direction. Purple stuff. Purple stuff. Yeah. After the, the, the great song that the men composed this week. <laughs> yes. The, the great, the, the second hit single from Neil and George. Yeah. Fabulous. Yeah. Like a sexy Bravo. schoolhouse rock. <laughs> That's great. All right. Well, good stuff uh, once again. Uh, next week, we will be back with more Celebrity Apprentice. Of course, uh, you could follow Megan on Twitter. She is at Meg Wants to Know. Mike is at a Mike Bloom type. Mike, what podcasts do you have coming up this week? Uh, so Top Chef, uh, I was not there last week, but there was a really great podcast in studio or locally done with Josh Wiggler, Antonio Mazzaro, and Josh's wife, Emily Fox. Uh, more food talk than Layla Ali's demo on the Welch, uh, the Welch uh, daytime talk show. But we'll be back in studio to talk more about it. So I'm really excited about that. All right, Megan, any final thoughts on the Celebrity Apprentice this week? I thought it was good. I think we're going in the right direction. Keep on uh, building the flames on those fires. Okay, keep moving. Keep moving. <laughs> keep moving. All right. We've got a lot of great stuff coming up this week that on Wednesday night, live at 8 p.m. Eastern, we're going to be back with Survivor Think Tank number three. I re-aired the other day Survivor Think Tank number two. Megan, how many ideas from Survivor Think Tank two have been on some form of Survivor? <laughs> Uh, I don't, uh, there's probably like four or five, but I mean, come on, Celebrity Apprentice has gotten Game Changers and Millennials on there, so they're almost tied, Rob. That's right. So maybe we need a Celebrity Apprentice think tank next. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Yes. Uh, That would be a fun off-season podcast. (laughs) It would be. I think it would be. So Stephen Fishback and I are going to be live 8 p.m. Eastern coming up in the Survivor time slot on Wednesday. And then later this week, Survivor David Wright is going to be here with me in the studio and we're going to do a deep dive into his game as well coming up. So uh, make sure you're subscribed to not miss any of that. Of course, a special thank you to the patrons of Rob has a podcast who make all of this podcasting nonsense possible. And without them, could not be this far into the off season doing all of these shows. If you want to find out more about the benefits of becoming a patron, go to Rob slash patron, or click the banner in the sidebar of Rob And bye-bye. And of course, another celebrity move here. Bye-bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>